Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why. The podcast is all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversations. This week we're going to be looking at endometriosis. Today's guest wrote a piece for Mother of All Lists called Why I Wouldn't Wish Endo on My Worst Enemy. Truthfully, it was the first time I ever understood what a debilitating condition endometriosis is. And not only that, it's one that's hugely misunderstood. She describes it as having a heartbreaking effect on her life and is incredibly passionate about raising awareness of it. Without further ado, let me introduce to you Emma Tully and let's get cracking with the episode. I always start with three important questions. How are you really? What star sign are you? And what's your favourite biscuit? Oh, wow. I love that. Because one, I am a big fan of biscuits. So I'm loving oh, that. Oh, um, so yeah, first one, how am I really? I feel like that's interesting at the moment because um, what day are we today? We're Thursday? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tuesday I had quite an appointment, uh, which on my Instagram, I've not even been able to talk about it, where usually I'm very open and very mm-hmm. honest. Um and usually, like, with my friends, family, everyone, like, I've got to that point in my life now where I can be open and honest everything, but I'm I'm finding it hard to get the words out about everything that's going on. Um, so it's, it's, it's intense at the moment mm. because I had an appointment on Tuesday because of... I feel like I'm jumping straight into it at the moment. No, go for it. This yeah. is fine. It's literally, it's, it's just I am going to look at your biscuits. I was going to say, my biscuits, we need to get on to the biscuits. This is important, but biscuits are equally important, if I'm being honest. Um, I had a tough appointment on Tuesday um, where, because of everything with my endometriosis, it's resulting that I'm near enough certain, but he's, he, my consultant's having to speak to one of his colleagues but I'm going to have to have a stoma bag. And even saying that out loud, I, I physically start getting clammy. I Do start you? feel sick. I, I've not cried yet about it. Like, I just, I feel numb. I feel empty. Um, so that's how I feel. I feel empty. If I could describe it in any way, I feel empty, which is, for me, it's just not a good emotion because I'm someone who feels all the emotions usually. I'm such an emotional person. Mm. Um, whether it's, you know, if I see like a, an, a, you know, an advert that's emotional, I'll cry. But for me, feeling numb, Is that's it unusual weird. experience. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that goes back to my star sign, where because I'm a, I'm a cancer oh, star yes. sign. So I'm very like, I'll be crying one minute, you know, happy tears, sad tears, whatever. But then I'll be a moody ass. <laughs> I mean, which is surprising for a lot of people because I am very like a happy-go-lucky person. But then, if someone pisses me off, am I allowed to serve? Like, yeah, if it, yeah. I was gonna say, if someone pisses me off, I'll be like, you know, I can easily go in a mood quite. Like, even if my husband annoys me, I'll be like, hmm, you that, know, that, I'll, I, sure. yeah, that's that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll go back in a good mood, like you know, mm. within five minutes. But I can go in a, a bit of a moody ass. Like, mm. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and, <laughs> I mean, and your biscuit. Oh I pick, my lord! Yeah, no, I I feel like I've got a top one hundred because I eat biscuits so much. Do like you? honestly, passionate. I am a snacker. I am passionate about my biscuits. So what's the name of the ones where they're like there's like a a creamy centre, but then there's like they're round and like hobnobby. You've got it. Do you it, know which it, one it I mean? Fox's crunch cream. Oh my god! It's number one. 
Oh my lord. Number one. I feel like I eat them until they're coming up my ears. Yeah. Like I've literally had like five just sitting here now with my cup of tea. As in, I eat we, have, you got, have you been eating them today just now? Oh my lord. I've had like five literally just like <laughs> while I was just sitting here with my brew. I, I, whenever I have a cup of tea, I have biscuits. You know, like yeah. I, I can't have a cup of tea without biscuits. And you, you picked an excellent biscuit. Well done. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they're a little rare of sunshine. Yeah. Are you going for just the standard ones or the ginger ones? People have been telling me about a chocolate one, which I haven't had. You're joking me. Yeah. Oh my god! Don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm going to bag some kind of sponsorship because I. Put, oh I'm, god, you should. <laughs> I'm really passionate about them too, but I, I oh yeah, gosh. now I'm going to have to go and buy them straight after. But yeah, to definitely. loop back to where you started, it's and I'm I'm sitting here thinking, how do I dance around this? Because I don't want to push you into something that don't, you're still don't dance, seriously. But the numb, you know, we go numb when our body's tra- when our mind's trying to protect us. I think, and That's also you're in a kind of what for me would feel like a um, a kind of grief before the before the thing. You know, often yeah. when hard things happen, when you're doing them you cope with them but the the this weird space you're in now kind of knowing it's coming but you're not yeah. there must yeah. feel just a, a no man's what time kind of time frame have they given you or have they not there's no there's no time frame at all at the moment just because of everything that's going on like i hate to say it because of covid mm-hmm. the the time scale is just no man's land and you've literally banged the nail on the head where it is like i was talking to a friend about it the other day and it's like, for me, my mind, whether I like it or not, goes into survival mode. Mm. And it's very much like I go into a grief process. So I, al- I always do this. Whenever I get bad news of my health, which is quite a regular occurrence, I always go into survival mm-hmm. mode and I always go into a grief process. I always get this shock stage where I go numb and it's like my brain just goes... Mm-hmm. I'm going to look after you now. I'm going to go mm. into survival mode. Then I go into anger. Then I go into pure devastation. And then I go into acceptance. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, right, come on now. Let's do this. Mm. And I go into warrior mode. And I'm like, mm. I'm going to fight this mm. with all that I've got. But it's always a process. And I never know how long it's going to mm. be. Sometimes it's really quick. Sometimes it's just, I need time. And like, I was saying that to my mum where my mum's like, come on, let's go out and go for a bit of lunch, a bit of, you know, retail therapy. I was like, no. I don't need any of that no. right now. I need time. That's what I need. I need time to, you know, grieve this process. And like, I don't know when this surgery will be or another surgery that I've got to have for mm-hmm. ovarian remnant, um, which is another major operation. I just... I have no idea when these operations are going to be like a lot of girls that are going out there at the moment. This, because of COVID, everything is so up in the air at the moment. There's, there's so many people that are suffering so much at the moment because of the like, waiting times. Mm. The waiting times are just heartbreaking. They really are. And it's just the whole thing of we just, we're just in absolute limbo yeah really which is such an impossible place to be for all these reasons we've just talked about because you can't you can't do anything you just got to wait yeah. and you know well we'll go back a step and explain about it too but i imagine there's also quite a lot of pain physical pain involved in during this time as well and 
pain it without is. knowing where that is going to end is, is a special kind of hell, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, it's a thing of like when you've got that physical pain there, constantly reminding you. Like I'm sitting here now talking to you, and it's like it's like someone with a hammer constantly going, "I'm here. I'm here. I'm here." And it's like no matter how much you because I'm a big believer in distraction. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how much you're out there socialising with friends, or, like, we had, you know, um, my daughter's friends around last night, you know, for dinner and everything, and I'm, you know, constantly, like, you know, trying to distract myself and this, that, and the other, but you've got that little hammer Have going, you? well, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Like, I'm never not in pain. I'm never not feeling it. So it's like, no matter how much you're trying to distract yourself, yeah you're always in that pain so everyone's gone home everyone's in bed and this that and the other and then I'm the one at midnight running myself a boiling hot bath because I'm like oh my god just calm down like trying to ease the pain and I'll be two in the morning then just pacing around just like oh god just try and sleep because I can't sleep because the pain's too much and it's like so no matter how much people say or try and distract yourself with this and the other. I'm like, I'm desperately trying. And it's like, you know, your appointments aren't coming for God knows how long because of waiting lists and everything. And it's like, it's it's the waiting. It's the constant wait. And it's it's, it's exhausting, you know, physically, mentally, yeah. emotionally. That's the thing. It's the, it, I imagine, again, I'm projecting because I have no idea what you're living through, but they're, they're having to... Yeah, bring your everything you can to be to do a very normal dinner with your daughter and her friends is is a really draining way to do it. And also, I'm kind of in awe of the capacity of humans to do that. To go right, mm. I am in constant pain, but I'm going to somehow be out of my body enough to put on this brave face. And that is a scary thing. Like, if when you say it out loud, it's one in ten. Like that, that is the scary thing. It's one in 10 of us. And it's like, I, I, even me, I, I can't get my head around that. And like, you'll be walking into a shopping mall or into a supermarket, anything like that. And you look at all these, you know, different women, different girls, whatever. And like, girls are starting their periods from the age of nine. Yes. And you think like, my daughter's like going to be turning seven soon. And I think, I, I can't I can't get my head around that that there'll be in that, yeah. girls in my daughter's school yeah. who'll be starting their periods in a matter of two years time possibly and they could have endometriosis and be none the wiser and it's like and they'll be none the wiser unless they're educated in the right way and it's like how how is it that how is that possible that it's one in ten but so many people don't know about endometriosis like the amount of people that I've said to about endometriosis and sometimes they vaguely know mm-hmm. about it they're like I, I think have I heard about it but but so many people don't have a clue what it is and also don't understand the the how severe it can be so talk me through no. your I mean from what I understand it's from your very first period onwards it was literally, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not always like that for some people. Sometimes it can start later. But for me, it was literally from the very, very beginning. Um, so, yeah, I started when I was 10. And for anyone starting a period, it's 
you know, a, a huge momentous occasion. But for me, it was bam, from the off, where I was in the middle of the night and I, I just, I can't describe it. It was just horrific where it was just, and I'm not being dramatic, no. it was just blood all over my bed sheets. And I was just petrified mm. because I had no idea. I, I didn't really speak about periods with anyone much that I can, you know, no. um, remember. I don't of. think we did. No. I don't think we did. Like, a little then. bit. Like, my only period education, my mum had a go at it. Yeah. But, like, Hello God, It's Me, Margaret, which is a very dated book. Mm. And, and again, fairly terrifying. But it wasn't. It wasn't a normalised conversation at all, no. even for ev everybody, but anyhow. No, no, I was very much the same. I remember like a little thing in primary school, but I don't ever remember it being a big thing mm. at all. And it was literally just so much blood. And this pain was just absolutely intense. And I, I was such a fit girl before then. And I remember just, my poor mum and dad, I remember running into my parents' bedroom with blood everywhere and just sobbing. Mm -hmm. And my mum putting me into her shower and just cleaning me down. And I remember thinking, right, when she finally settled me down, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's over now. Like, that was obviously yeah. just a one-off type of thing. But it just carried on for 14 days. And every night I'd wake up, oh, my God, blood, 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 shower, one in the morning, something like that, every night, same thing. And I would be wearing these sanitary towels that are literally like nappies. It was just, there was so, and this was a 10 year old, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a child. So, really. it was, it was literally like a baby, do you know what I mean? Like, it was just mm. ridiculous. Like, I think about Belle and I'd just say, oh God, no. Um, so I would be like saying, like, my mum would say to teachers, like, and I would say to teachers, like, I need to go to the toilet. Like my mum wrote letters to teachers, mm -hmm. but they still were like, but you've been to the toilet. You don't need to go to the toilet again. So I would literally leak through onto the chair and everything. Every and no, they, they still just, they, they just, they didn't, they still never let me go to the toilet enough. So like I say, I'd leak everywhere, but it was just the excruciating pain. Um, so it got to a point where when I was 13, I I had all these awful nosebleeds and this, that and the other. And they um, diagnosed me with this blood condition, von mm -hmm. Willebrand's. And they were like, ah, that's why you're bleeding so much. And I was like, okay, I understand the bleeding, mm -hmm. but why am I in this awful pain? And it was like, that's just what some periods are like. Don't worry about it. You know, you put on the pill, you'll be fine. And the pain was just not getting any better at all. And it was literally, when I say the pain, it wasn't just in my pelvic area. It was literally my lower back was excruciating. My legs were excruciating. But at this point, my whole body was really struggling mm. because I also had my appendix out. And they said about, you know, could be growing pains and this and the other. And at this point, I was getting loads of um, diagnoses for different things. Um, so I was, like, having problems with, like, um, heart murmurs and... Uh, chronic migraines and I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and all these different things curves in the spine like it was literally like a, a, a load of different things were going on so they were more interested in well we'll look into this and look into mm. that and I was like but my periods they're awful and like, oh mm. no we're more interested in that and that and I was like yeah but I'm really struggling with my periods mm. and it was only when I was 16 that they finally sent me to have an ultrasound 
And it was like the ultrasound was like, oh, it's fine. You're obviously hunky-dory and everything. And I was like, it can't be. No, it, it can't be. I'm literally not. And I was literally like becoming anemic and having blood transfusions. Yeah. Uh, not blood transfusions, um, iron transfusions, all the rest of it. And finally, when I was 20, and they put me under coil, which was absolutely awful for me personally, when I was 20, they started giving me post-op injections, which was, for me, personally awful, which is basically what puts you in a false menopause to stop the estrogen being produced. And they gave me no time to process it at all. It was literally, we're going to put you on post-op injections. I was like, when? Now? And it was literally injecting me there and then. And that's it. I was on the menopause on 20. And they basically said, and that's the first time I heard the word endometriosis. Really? After all those years? After all those years, they said, it will stop your estrogen being produced. And if this helps the pain, it could be because you've got something called endometriosis. But they never went into detail. It was just that that's what it could be. We'll give it six months, see how the pain subsides, blah, blah, blah. I was like, right, okay. Within a month and a half, my pain just went right down. But the symptoms of the post-op, I was just completely depressed. I was mm. dripping a sweat. I was, the symptoms are just brutal. like menopause, but brutal. My hair fell out in clumps. I was literally like rocking on the floor sobbing it was awful they finally agreed when i was 21 to give me keyhole surgery which is basically the only way you can really diagnose endometriosis Mm -hmm. finally at 21 we're going to give you a keyhole surgery great finally someone's listened to me did the keyhole surgery didn't find anything they said you've got something called adam i can never pronounce it to this day adenomyosis I think I'm pronouncing it right, you know, apologise if I'm not, but no endometriosis. I was like, how, how, how are you not finding it? The problem was, it was a general gynae surgeon. Now, to this day, I'll say to anyone, if you feel you've got endometriosis, but you're, you, they don't find anything, please, please, please make sure it's an endometriosis specialist surgeon because the amount of times they don't find anything and it is there, but it must be with an endometriosis specialist surgeon because then a matter of six months later, I went to an endometriosis specialist surgeon. He went back in and it was, they found stage four endometriosis everywhere. And it was just insane from then on. Can you explain actually what endometriosis is for anyone who doesn't know? It's basically something cells similar to where it like it grows after the problem is it's like everyone believes that it's something that grows inside the uterus and it's you know it's hard to explain but it grows outside the uterus so it's not everyone's like oh it's a gynecological condition it really isn't it's a whole body condition but it's basically cells that are similar to the lining of a womb, but it's not the lining of a womb. And it grows outside and it'll grow wherever it wants. But then every time you're on a period, it will shed and it's it will just attach to wherever it wants. It will attach to the bowel, it will attach to any organ it wants. 
but every time you are on the eastern is produced or you know a, you you have a period it will just grow more and more and more um but yeah it's if you have any sort of estrogen even that's the problem even when you have a, a full hysterectomy like i have if you have estrogen in any part of your body which there are different like you have estrogen even in your body fat you will you'll grow more endometriosis and endometriosis has its own estrogen so it'll grow by itself <sighs> so that's the thing like everyone thinks like you have a full hysterectomy that's it you're cured but you're not cured there's no there's no cure for it Ugh. i've got so many things i want to ask you first of all like huge empathy for the fact that you're going through in the early part of this you're going through it at a point when your body feels alien to you anyway you know mm-hmm. in your in your teens and, and you've got no comprehension of what is normal and what's not because everything is topsy-turvy but that that thing you've mentioned a couple of times where you just knew but you're not necessarily have got the maturity to advocate for yourself in the in the way that you would now with an you know mm. as an adult but that must have been so difficult and also I'm thinking you're trying to make your way in the world as a teenage girl and everything that that entails whilst going through something so indescribable yeah it's, it's mind-boggling it was, without a doubt, the most petrifying time. And it was just heartbreaking because it was heartbreaking for me. And even as a teenager, it was heartbreaking to see my parents pulling their hair out. And, like, especially now as a parent myself, mm. I think, how, 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 how do you cope as a parent seeing that? But, like, as a teenager, I was literally, like, I would, I just, I would literally go to bed on, like, on my own, like, when everything calmed down type of thing, you know, like, I'd be, around my friends, I would try to put on a brave face, because everyone knew something was seriously wrong, do you know what I mean? Like, all my friends had normal periods, and Mm. I'd be like, am I just being dramatic? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because surely everyone's dealing with the same type of pain, and no one's really talking about it, because now... You know, I talk very openly about stuff, but back then, I was very like I didn't say boots yeah. and goose about it type yeah, of thing. It's, especially back then, as we're saying, even yeah. regular periods weren't really talked about. You know, I no, remember stuffing sanitary word. towels up my jumper to try and mm. go and, and I wouldn't have talked to my friends about. Like I knew kind of when people started their periods, mm. but we didn't like talk about it no, in, no. as a regular piece of language for sure. No, no, definitely not. And it was just so, such a dirty word. You never ever spoke mm-hmm. about it at all. So when I would say, oh, I'm going to hospital about my periods, I'd be like, why? Like, why are you going about your periods type of thing? And like, I'd go to bed at the end of the day and I would literally just sob. And it would be like, what, what is wrong with me? Why, why am I in so much pain? And why am I, why am I on for so long? And it'd be literally... It would just be a very, very lonely place mm. because I just didn't know what was going on at all. And to have doctors, like I had one doctor, because the problem is, because it attached to my bowel so severely, which they didn't know at this point, obviously. And I remember distinctly the first time I started bleeding from my bowel, 
Um, I was on a night out when I was 19 with my two friends and I had one glass of wine and I remember my stomach literally, you'd think I was heavily pregnant and I was in Weatherspoons and I went to the toilet, classy Weatherspoons, and I remember my stomach just like as if something popped. It was literally the most excruciating pain and I just went, Oh my god! And it was literally like this blood came gushing out of me, and I phoned my mum and dad, and I was rushed into hospital. My dad and mum drove me in, and it was just constantly pumping, pumping, pumping out of me. Did anyone? Everyone was just like in the hospital. Was like you must have a a terrible tummy bug, and I was kept in for five nights, and it was not once did I have a scan, not once did anyone do anything. It was literally you must just have a really bad tummy bug. And for years, I went to gastroenterology and everything, and they did colonoscopies. But again, you don't pick it up. Wouldn't pick it up. And it was only I was when I was diagnosed with endometriosis, and this doctor turned to me and my mum and said, "Oh, we thought you were making it up. We honestly thought." And I would take pictures of the blood in the toilet, yeah, just... show them, and be like, "This is how much blood I'm losing. It's not just like a little yeah, skid spotting, mark. Yeah. It's literally." dark full pan of blood and this is what's happening and it's not just like once a day or I mean literally every time I go oh we honestly thought you were just making up and my mum was just like I honestly thought my mum was gonna deck her and back then I was the one who would just sit there and not say anything Mm -hmm. and my mum was just like you know I can't say anything because they'll discharge and this and the other now me I'm the one who's like say that again like you know I'll stand up for myself Mm. and be like because I say to girls every day advocate for yourself stand up for Mm. yourself like know know your worth like you must speak up for yourself but oh back then I just I'd take it all but not now bless you and then what do you think the turning point was well I've got a few again a few questions I'm interested um endometriosis in relation to fertility and your experience with that oh it was so so hard because I got with my husband when I was just turned 21 and they basically said before I met my husband like I say I literally not long got diagnosed when I had met I met him and I got diagnosed not long after sorry and they basically were like this is stage four and it is everywhere type of thing and from then on it was uh have keyhole surgery, post-staph injections, keyhole surgery, post-staph injections. And it was like constant, so like every time they did a surgery, even though I had the post-staph injections, it was just getting worse, worse and worse. And every time I went, it was like, you need to have a hysterectomy because this is getting really bad. And it was getting to a point where everything was getting so restricted in there with the adhesions and the mitosis and I was having like fibroids that were like five centimeters six centimeter big and everything and it was like endometriomas which are basically cysts filled with blood and all the rest of it and it was like I just don't see how this is ever going to happen like I don't see how I'm ever ever going to be able to have a child at all and for me that that was just devastating beyond words because I I adore children I adore I always wanted four children I don't know why it was always four and it was always like my husband like 
he that was like from the moment I met him, like literally like we moved in together after six weeks of mm. knowing each other. We've been together 15 years now and like he was just, from the moment I met him, he was like, I'm obsessed with children. I was like, I'm obsessed with children, blah, blah, blah. And the thought of not having children mm. was just not an option at all. Um, but it was just getting worse and worse and worse in there. Um, but for a lot of women, I mean, I think it's, the, don't quote me on it, I think it's 35% of women, their fertility are affected. Um, and there's, there's so many reasons because like the fallopian tubes will be blocked up and things like that. But thank God, we we conceive naturally. Um, but I, I, to this day, I don't know how. I mean, when I told my surgeon that I was pregnant, he literally was like, he, he took my hand and he said, this is a miracle no. child. Honestly, I, I, to this day, I, I do not know how we have our daughter. I don't. And so when, again, this is me not understanding the science, does um, pregnancy give you some respite from the conditions of endometriosis? It, it gets respite as far as, like, because your estrogen uh, levels and stuff like that, you know, um, the endometriosis side of things will be a lot better mm-hmm. um, for a lot of women. But as far as, like, if you've had a lot of surgeries previously your adhesions and stuff like that you get an awful lot of adhesion pain stretching pain stuff like that like it for me personally and a lot of women as soon as you find out you've got endometriosis or especially stage four endometriosis something like that you'll be put under high risk um so there's some women who would have to have i personally thank god and um have to have a C-section because, you know, obviously the um, recovery period afterwards, stuff like that. Um, but a lot of women like myself had to be high risk mm-hmm. and I was I had to be really highly monitored. Um, but the adhesion pain, I had um, SPD literally from... Um, early on. Very, very early on. I was on crutches from, the, from 10 weeks, uh, not 10, from 14 weeks. Um, but the adhesion pain was insane. So you're constantly panicking because you're like, "What? What's that pain? What's that pain?" Because I literally, from from very very early on, I just was in so much pain. I was thinking, "Well, what's that? What's this?" And um, there was one point where I thought I honestly lost my plug because it was like this huge dark blob came out and stuff like that. It's just all these different scary moments that happened. Mm. Um, but as far as my endometriosis pain, that really calmed down. It's, it's like your estrogen levels mm-hmm. go then, right down. And then, and then, fill me in. You said, mentioned earlier that you've had a hysterectomy, which is a you know a huge decision to have to make. What were the timeframes mm-hmm. between having your daughter and 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 that being the decision that was made? So. From the age of 19, 20, doctors would say to me, you know that this is going to have to happen one day, even before I was even diagnosed with endometriosis, because it was just a case of the amount of pain and bleeding, like to be bleeding that much every month. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like I say, because it was just, no matter how much prostap I was on, no matter how much surgery I was having, my endometriosis was just getting inhumane. Mm. Um, And then... 
I had Bell when I was 27 and I ended up having to have what I call C-hysterectomies because I had to have it in C-surgeries when I, I, I had it booked in when I was 30 mm-hmm. and then I had to have it when I was 31 um, just because of the waiting list and everything. Um, but like I say, I had it in C-surgeries and one was seven hours and the other two were eight hours and the damage that was caused uh, with my sliced yorta one time they nicked it, one time they sliced it in half, and the the different stents I had and perforated bowels, and it was just like everyone's like, oh, you just had a hysterectomy, or no, I, I had it with an awful lot of damage. But then it's like now everyone's like, okay, again, you know, you're cured, and it's like, well, no, in twelve days time, I think it is, I'm going back to a surgeon in Manchester who's because I've been diagnosed again with, for the second time, ovarian remnant syndrome. And that's going to be the most insane operation if they think it's not too risky um, to remove that again. Because um, no matter how much they remove everything, if they leave a sliver of ovary with me, it keeps growing back and I keep getting cysts and the pain is just, insane absolutely insane how do you i mean it's 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 such a lot to cope with isn't it it's it's you know what for me it's like i i feel like i was saying to my friend the other day i feel and this is me being brutally honest because i i've always been such a positive person Mm. i've always been so focused and everything but at the moment i just feel like a bottle not in a good way but i feel like a bottle of pop mm. like you know a bottle of lemonade where it's like it's so tightly screwed and there's so many bubbles in there and it's just like someone's shaking it really really mm. hard and it's like going come on now stop adding things like you know it's just mm. like you're taking the, the mick a bit yeah and it's just like and i feel like that's endometriosis all over because everyone thinks and we keep saying this like it's just a bad period and it's not it's not just a gynecological condition it's a whole body condition because it's been found in every part of the body it's been found in the brain it's been found in the spleen it's been found it's been found everywhere like there's not been one organ in the body that's not been found and it's like it's it's the it's the symptoms that it causes it's it's the migraines like i'm talking to you now i've got a absolutely horrific migraine it's a migraine it's it's the the leg pain it's the pain drawing sex it's how it it's causing people to have stoma bags it's Mm. how people are having to have catheters for for months and months and months and months on end and how people are having their lungs punctured because of it you know I, i i i don't know how much more people need to say before people realize how this is a life-changing condition Uh, yeah it's mad that it's not put up there with the most you know it's every bit as serious as the most as all the most serious conditions isn't it but why how can it not you know i thought i i understood it both through you know knowing you and through um family friends and friends and family that have it but even so, I didn't understand it. I really didn't until our conversation today. And, and I'm listening to you thinking, as per the title of your list, you, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. Yet there are people 
struggling through this and not being given the help that they need do you get any kind of support in terms because I'm imagining you can't work or broadly you can't work no I mean that's it like because it started so young and it it was like from the off it was so so severe and everything I've never been able to to have a normal job so I I've always tried to do little things here and there whether it's you know doing um uh, fundraising for endometriosis UK or like I'm trying now to do freelance photography like so I'll do like family uh, portraits for people but that for me is I'll do 20 minutes taking photographs yeah. for people but then that's it and that will floor me that will literally floor me but then I will do I am passionate about spreading awareness as you know so I love to do things like I'll do writing for people but that for me is something that I absolutely love, but I could never work somewhere like that. There's just there's just no way. It's, it's it's never been a possibility. Like when I was much younger, when I was about seventeen, eighteen, because I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with hotels and everything. I did um, three three hours in a hotel receptionist. Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't know why they were so kind to me that they said you can try it out here. I wasn't paid. It was just like a thing of, you know, just to see how you manage type of thing. I swear to God, I I was physically shaking because I wasn't able to sit down because obviously like people were running around this and the other. Because I had to stand for the three hours. I I can't can I can't even describe it. And it broke my heart because it was it was so fun. It was just, and I was meeting because I'm such a people person. I love meeting them and this and the other. Oh my God, it, it was just, and getting that headspace around like, what's my worth and like there's, you know, because people see me where, you know, I love putting my lippy on, I love, you know, looking normal, whatever normal mm. is, I, word normal is such a, a weird one anyway, but like people see me and they think, there's nothing wrong with you, like, you know, because I don't go around with a crutch or I don't. I don't, I mean, I t- it's hard for me because I am so passionate about spreading awareness. And on Instagram, I am very open and this and the other. But on the school run mm. or, you know, with my friends and stuff, I don't, I don't talk about it. Unless it's a close friend who says to me, now Emma, how mm. are you? Like, really, how are you? I don't talk about it. I don't sit down with people and say, well, do you know what? I've not shot for eight days and I'm like feeling like that, you know, I really am someone who's very just talks about normal mm. stuff. I love to have a cup of tea and my biscuits and like, you know, have a, a good chin work with people. And I love asking people how they are because I'd like to divert the attention onto other people. Well, also, you don't want it to be your entire life and it is already no. eaten up so much of it. Again, this yeah, is me projecting, but it, it, it's stolen a lot from you. And I, 100%. I don't blame you for not wanting to talk about it in the, uh, no. the school run. It's so bad, isn't it, that actually all we are not wanting is kind of an average existence. And mm. that's the greatest gift there is. What what for you, what are the chances of your, sis- your sister, your daughter having, is it hereditary? Is it a hereditary condition? It is a hereditary condition. So that for me... That is something that yeah, I can't. Like, there's me saying I can't cry, but that for me, mm. it's a, I can't even bet. Like, 
on my life, like when I um, when we found out we were pregnant, and Dan was like, he he's always been obsessed with the thought of having a girl. Mm. Like he, he's just adores like the thought of having a girl and everything. And when we were like having the scan and everything, and the lady said like you're having a girl, mm. he absolutely sobbed, and I sobbed like seeing him cry and everything. On my life, my first thought was, I'm so happy that Dan's so happy, like we're having a girl and everything. My second thought within a second was, oh my gosh, like this, she could have endometriosis one day. And that is the saddest thing ever. The thought of, like, I should be celebrating. But my, my second thought was, oh my God, like the thought of her going through even a hundredth of mm, what I've gone through. and will go through I, I can't even I can't even bear it like this morning I mean it's probably just at too much because Belle has a wonderful appetite <laughs> but she literally was saying about oh, I've got a bit of tummy oh, ache no. and I was like oh you know we just and I brush it off I'm very like not brush it off but I'm just like oh you're fine you know you, you're grand but you know we just like don't please don't just don't I, I just I can't bear it I literally can't bear it yeah I mean I've Everything in me wants to say something that that will kind of make it feel all right. The only positive I can think is she, is she's got you on side, and oh, you yeah. know you're an expert in this. You're an amazing advocate. I hope things have changed or changing. Yeah, I mean, they of will. course, we it's the worst thing you can imagine. But those are she. She's not going to repeat the experience that you've had for all all no. those reasons, which kind of leads me to a good wiggling towards a conclusion. What I'm sitting here thinking, what on earth can all of us do to raise awareness in this? What's the like actual useful action? It just shout about it, like that. Literally shout about it. Like if you if you know anyone about it, like listen. Obviously, mm. you know, and just it is just about like I am like I've I've said, and you know, like I am so so passionate about it, and if it's and like we said like one in 10, you know, have this condition, one in 10, it's the same amount of people that have, have diabetes. Mm. You know, it's, it's such a, a common condition. If there's any way it can get out there, like doing things like this, you know, is such a, a huge thing. It's just about spreading awareness. Like, and I'm like, I'm determined, like one day this will be, such a well-known thing like mm. I am determined like and there's a day when Belle's like a teenager or when her please god she has children if she so wishes whatever like I am determined that it's going to be so well known that people mm. will be bored mm. to hell of it you know it's just it's just about spreading awareness like I mm. can't say like it's going to be you know cured one day I can't, I can't say that, but it's going to be so Understood. well known, and people are going to hear our voices. And again, I'm, I don't understand the science, but from what you're saying, if you're talking about stage four, I'm imagining the earlier you get diagnosed and the me- earlier things are understood, mm. the, the better the outcome. So that's that's it's it's not a cure, but it is yeah. The more 100%. we know, we know. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean. You know, stage four, it's, it's not as far as pain. I mean, you could be stage one and you'd be in the same amount of pain. It's just a case of stage one is 
the month you have, if you get me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're diagnosed earlier, you'll be less endometriosis. Mm. So diagnose, early diagnosis is key. There's no doubt about it. And if someone's listening here, you know, because I imagine there's people who could suffer for a long time. Oh my gosh. With, with no idea. Again, it's that thing of, I think when we have, talk about period pains and heavy periods, Number one, I think that most periods, if if they're normal, shouldn't shouldn't be painful. Therefore, mm-hmm. if you are ex- experiencing pain, it shouldn't be a case that you need something to get through each month. And therefore, no. I mean, advocating for getting to the doctors, I suppose, and not suffering in silence. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a case of being your own superhero in the sense mm. of like like being your own advocate and knowledge is power in the sense of like you know print off like say from endometriosis uk mm-hmm. the list of symptoms or from the nice guidelines the list mm-hmm. of symptoms of endometriosis so when you go to your gp you can be like here this is the symptoms if you suffer with them symptoms it doesn't have to be all of them you know you don't have to have all of the symptoms of endometriosis but if you really struggle with some or all of them symptoms you can be like look this is what I suffer with so you have to refer me to you know gynae like you have to be your own advocate and be like if you won't refer me I'll go to someone else like don't stand your ground don't Mm. let them you know say oh well I don't know I'll put you on the pill no I want to be referred to a proper endometriosis specialist you know you can request to be referred to a certain specialist as well don't but don't be let them pushing you around quite frankly don't be what you know it's eight years on average to be diagnosed long eight time. years it's is a lot just of, far far yeah. too long yeah it is so it, just be your own advocate and really research things like honestly i've always said that knowledge is power mm-hmm. like you you really need to know like your symptoms and make a diary like when the symptoms are like so you can go there and say this is when my symptoms mm-hmm. are blah, blah blah like you just you need to be your own advocate it's tiring it's so tiring but just be your own advocate oh yeah my heart it's, it's a heartbreaking situation and i'm just trying to draw some of your strength where yeah you, you've got to keep fighting the fight and shouting the shout and mm. and yeah try and raise awareness for you Exactly. So we all understand in a shorthand what diabetes is and, and this should be exactly the same. Before we go, I've got two more questions. Yeah. And also, I'm so full of gratitude that I know you must be in pain with your migraine and everything else. Not and that at you, all. That you've sat through this. I think, thank you. Cause it, Not it at can't, all, thank can't you. Be, can't be easy. But two things. Where can people find you and what do you want to shout about? Okay, so my page on Instagram is Mummy's Pain in the Arse, um, which is a Tuesday, I think. Like I could have had a better name, but no, literally, Bell was be- well, Bell was being a pain in my arse that day. So, <laughs> and I get well, I get pains in my arse as well. So I thought it was like kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. So yeah, um, so that's my uh, Instagram page. And what else did you ask me? I said, what do you want to shout about? I mean, I think we know. Shout what about, about literally, yeah, endometriosis is just. Yeah, whenever, if you feel you've got it or if you feel someone else has got it, your girlfriend, your mum, anything, just, um, just yeah, please just, it's, it's a, a, there's so many people who have got it 
um, or could have it. So please, just please, please, please spread awareness on it because it's not going anywhere. And last one, if you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be and what would you say? Oh my God, do you know what? I am obsessed with Marilyn Monroe. Good like, answer. Literally, I'm obsessed with her. Um, so, and they do say that she had endometriosis herself. No yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you type in to Google Marilyn Monroe and endometriosis, there's, because she apparently had surgery for it, and she put on, before she went down to surgery, like a letter to her surgeon saying, please don't take my ovaries because she wanted to have children. Apparently, she had a lot of miscarriages uh, and everything. And I would just love to have an honest mm. conversation with her about it. But I'm obsessed with, like, the pin-up um, yeah. and all the rest of it. And But that's so important to remember, you know, this most beautiful, yeah. iconic woman yeah, is yeah. suffering. And, yeah. like, you know, it just makes you reframe everything, doesn't it? Of yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Exactly, but mm. yeah, I'm slightly obsessed with it. Well, that's a great answer. I never know what people are going to say. People sometimes go, you know, younger versions of themselves or teachers, and sometimes they pull out yeah. something like this. Marilyn, oh, I, just, I just love her. Marilyn, you can have a pack of biscuits and a cup of tea with Marilyn Monroe. That oh my one. god, dream! She'd That'd be like the a dream. Biscuit, I'm sure oh, yeah, oh, I love her. Yeah, Vicky's of Marilyn. Yeah, there you go. What a way to end. Thank you. So very much. I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. You're Pleasure. an absolute warrior. Doing Thank things you when you're in me. pain is um, a nightmare. But that's, you know, I kept wanting to message you saying, oh, tell me when it's a good time. But unfortunately oh, for you, yeah, you've got to just try and carry on as best you can. No, honestly, honestly, pleasure. Thank you so much for asking. Well, that was a humbling experience. It's quite... Um, a strange thing to sit there and be aware that the person opposite you who is being so engaging and intelligent and inspiring is also in an awful lot of pain and she does it with such a, such grace but as well as being in awe of her I feel hugely frustrated and a bit embarrassed that I didn't have as much of an idea about the extent and the severity of endometriosis and that is something that impacts one in 10 women. That's a huge, huge number. And as Emma said, if you think about the children in my in my kids' classes at school, the idea of, that some of those girls, that this fate is headed their way, it's heartbreaking. So as per her request, let's keep talking about it. Let's bang the drum, let's make more people known. And if this does ring any bells for you, please, please don't suffer in silence. Get yourself to the GP. and and get the help you so rightly deserve. Thank you so much to Emma. Thank you guys for listening. Please do join me next week. Um, in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe, leave comments, share it, all that stuff. It'd be great. I'm actually gonna go and have my nails done this afternoon and I think I'm gonna transition away from the red and corals of summer and move into a dark shade, which means we are definitely heading into autumn. Wishing you a lovely day and see you next week. Bye.